When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh my goodness, are you all in for a treat? Hi, this is Elsie Escobar, half of the She Podcast team, missing terribly my partner in crime, Jessica Kufferman. But this episode is super special because it is a live recording of She Podcasts at NAB in New York. So Jessica was in New York last week attending NAB which is the National Association of Broadcasters and the premier advocacy association for America's broadcasters. This year, there were more than 8,000 attendees and 362 exhibitors. It showcases the best in next-generation technology for media, entertainment, and telecom professionals with conferences and workshops focused on television, film, satellite, online video, live events, advertising, corporate AV, production, and post. That sounds super fancy, doesn't it? And so now they've sort of like added podcasting to the mix, which is super awesome. So Jess had an opportunity to record She Podcasts, and she recorded with my other co-host from The Feed, the official Libsyn podcast, Rob Walsh, VP of Podcaster Relations at Libsyn. They have a great conversation about the experience of being at NAB, podcast advertising, and of course, some tangents that only Jess can take (laughs) or can lead, can lead people to go on these random tangents. You guys are going to love it. But just before we get into the show, I must let you know that I am running the E-League winter session starting November 6th. So the E-League is essentially a one-on-one session with me, which is enhanced by a community aspect of it. It's essentially deep mentorship with me with a community component. So here's a little bit more about it. It's going to have a tiny bit more structure as it will involve planning and visioning for 2018. So this is your time to get ready to get your stuff done in 2018 if you have goals, especially around your podcast, as well as 2017 reflection and closure, all with totally pristine focus on your podcast. But most important, in your mission, your language, and your voice which sort of like encompasses what I really love to push, which is the culture that you are creating. At most, there will be one time when we all come together, not virtually, but like for dedicated learning, possibly through here. The entire E-League now revolves around this specific conversation. How are we offering content that has impact and begins a larger process of building a greater understanding of our world? not just replicating existing media and cultural dynamics. So if that question resonates with you, then apply today. I need to vet the applicants, which includes me listening to your show. So please note the E-League is not a how-to podcast mentorship experience. It's not for those that are just starting out in audio production and in media. This is for people who are a little bit more schooled and either podcasting because they've been doing it for a while or have some experience in audio production um, or possibly any other media and are, are in fact aware of the power of the space and they are really wanting something. You guys are, are wanting something more. So for new e-leaguers, here is what is involved. One 60 to 90 minute power session with me focusing on anything that you want plus my notes, plus my research, the Winter Ely Group Voxer Chat. Uh, So it's kind of like time-shifted group coaching in your pocket. There's going to be a weekly LC broadcast, and that's going to be done via Voxer as well. And that is, again, all keyed in with specific teachings every Monday based on defining and deepening the conversation. And again, that is time-shifted as well. 
the e-league essentials. As of now, I'm aiming to publish them as a private podcast. So it's all audio with possible transcripts. A private virtual community that is not Facebook. I'm so excited about this. I can't even take it. Being part of the already incredible community of the current e-leaguers, that is brilliant. So you get you get totally, you get us to step into the mighty, mighty power of the e-leaguers. So to get more information, including a link to chat with me in case you have any more questions, but seriously, do it today. I'll be closing the doors for new applicants by November 1st. The link is in the show notes, or you can go to lcescobar.com slash e-league, and that is one word to apply to today. So lcescobar.com slash e-league, and that is one word to apply today. Okay. Now, if you want to invest in yourself and you don't know where, like, you know, you don't want to do something as involved as a mentorship thing with me and one-on-one and all that stuff, you can sign up for Jessica's Sneaky Secrets for Audience Growth. And that's like totally free, dudes. Link is also in the show notes, or you can go to podcastaudiencegrowth.com. That is podcastaudiencegrowth.com. All right? Okay. So here we go. Take it away, Jess. Okay. I am Jessica Kupferman. I am the co-host of the podcast, She Podcasts. With me today is not my normal co-host, Elsie Escobar, but her colleague and boss. Are you her boss? No, co-host. I'm a colleague. The um, grand poobah of Libsyn, Rob Walsh, which I'm super excited about to be able to talk to you today. It's a different substitute from Elsie. We're both the non-Elsie in our shows. Yes. So it should be really fun. She uh, brings an energy to, to both shows that I think is needed. But um, we're going to have a really, I think, interesting conversation. We're both here at the NAB show in New York City. Me up from Wilmington, Delaware, and you up from Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So he's exhausted. Um, and you're lonely, too. You're the only one at your booth, which for me is so rare to see you not at a mobbed booth with five people manning it. Is that How is that for you? Well, this show I knew was going to be a little bit, uh, not as many podcasters here. So yeah. I knew it would be one that we can do with one person. When you do a show where it's just one of you and it's kind of a slower traffic, do you miss the hubbub of a podcast movement or a podfest? Or are you kind of happy that it's just sort of like a sit and wait situation sometimes? What's funny is it always comes in spurts. So, Does it? Yeah. So, so the downtime is nice because I can get some emails caught up on. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, true. But then the, the spurts come and then it's like three deep. Then it goes three deep. And then it's, I'm trying to manage three people and then you see one person getting frustrated. I'm like, Ugh. Yeah, well, because it's just you, right? Right. So I just learned a few things about Raph. First, I grew up in Long Island, so I asked if he had had a chance to have any decent New York food while he was here already. And, I mean, you know, he turns out he made it when he was growing up. So on Long Island, On Long Island, I used to work for a pizza uh, place called Satellite Pizza. Still there. Satellite Pizza. Best pizza. Best calzones because they deep fry the calzones. They don't Mm. bake them. They deep fry them. So that's the only way to have a calzone. That sounds so good. So, so let's talk about the NAB show. So the NAB is National Association of Broadcasters, right? And Correct. it's in conjunction with AES, which is Audio Engineering Services Society. 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 Yeah. So let's talk about why this is a little bit of a slower show for Libsyn and for podcasters in general. Because you've been, I mean, well, Libsyn people has here, a lot sponsored of people here forever, are, right? Right. A lot of people that are here are gearheads. So mm-hmm. they're here for the gear, not so much for the services. So... It, not as many are looking for the podcasting, but I've had some great people come by from three-letter networks that you watch on television Hello. that have news organizations that have come by and are interested in podcasting. Uh, I've had quite a few customers come by and say, hi, thank you, we host with you. And that, that's always good when you have uh, some of your clients coming and saying hello. Yeah, that's totally nice. And it's actually kind of nice. It's been kind of nice for me because I certainly didn't expect to see anyone I knew here besides you. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was someone in my session that said she was a member of She Podcast. So it's kind of nice. I mean, I guess as the group grows, it's kind of fun that at least I'll have one person that knows me from that, which is cool. Since we're not quite the size of Libsyn, of course, but, you know, every little bit makes you feel a little bit at home, I think. And we had people come by grabbing the cards, the LC's card for She Podcast. Oh, I listened to that. Oh, that's nice. That's nice to hear, too. So, 
let's talk about the gear. I mean, if there are people here that are gearheads, like I realize probably this time around you haven't had a chance to see all the gear. I saw the gear on the side of the floor that you're on, and it's a lot of video, and I just realized that all the audio is in sort of another room. But right. even that said, how much of that is relevant to the listeners of this show who may or may not be procasters, so to speak, but who are, you know, podcasting either at home or even out of a studio? Because even if you're doing it out of a studio, you're not really in charge of the tech. Well, the gear here is all levels. So you have to understand. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. I mean, there's there's gear here that has a K at the end of the price and just <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, cup, there just two zeros. Yeah. So, yeah. so someone was coming by and they were telling me about uh, some mics they saw on the other side and, and they said they were between one and three. And I go, 100? No, no, K. I'm like, okay. <gasps> so it's like, okay. <gasps> yeah. So those don't fit so well for podcasting, but the one to 300, he said there, there was other mics there, and he was showing me some of the some of the shore mics and some of the equipment they had over there because you were taking pictures. Yeah. So I haven't gotten a chance to get over and see any of that. Yeah, I haven't really either because I didn't know it was over there. But actually, speaking of gear, um, John always tells, I don't know if, he's, if you guys have actually heard him say it to me, but um, he's always telling me that I need to have a mic attached to my earphones because I'm so wiggly when I record. And I happen to be using one right now. It's a Shure headset with, you know, we like. And, and it's the Shure. Yes. As he pulls look. his glasses off. Yes. To look. Old man. RH440. BRH440. Thank M. you. Mike. So I'm going to definitely have to look that up because it is kind of nice. I can, like, do you guys hear anything? I'm moving my head. I'm doing the wiggle. You guys can't really hear anything, which is it's kind of the dream. But It's an XLO mic. Yeah. Oh, so it's not so it's, so yeah, so a, it's not USB. It's do not you US- think they have a USB version that would be good? They don't. So I'd have to have a mixer. So you could put it into M Audio Mobile Pre and then plug that into your computer. I have no idea what he just said, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but that's not, I mean, but still, I do think it's a good solution, especially because I do kind of like to move. It's hard, it's hard for me to sit still in general. Better at a table than where I normally record. So, yeah, so not exactly the right place for the super indie, just starting podcaster, unless they're already in this world, probably, and they just want to transfer. Yeah, I mean, if you're in the radio world, content. yeah. What you'll see here, too, is people that are already in the radio world coming by and asking about, you know, I want to do a podcast on my own. Mm-hmm. I've got a few of those questions come up. You know, I, I work for this network or large media company, and I was thinking of doing my own podcast on something completely different than what they talk about at work. Tell me what, what we need to do. Mm. So I've got a few of those conversations, which are nice. Yeah, those are nice, for sure. The NEB show is kind of a big deal for me because my dad had a master's in video production, and then he used to teach at a community college, and then he figured out a way of recycling videotape and selling it as used blank tape. So every year he would go to the NAB in Vegas, get a booth, wait for people to come by, and try and get big enough customers that would buy lots of recycled videotapes. So university video departments and channel you know, networks and stuff like that. And so being able to, first of all, being able to attend, which we did at New Media Expo years ago, I was just like, I'm going to the NAB, want to come? And he was like, no, Sariba, because 100,000 people. How many, first of all, do you, how many people do you think are here? I think the number was 10, 15, 15, 15,000. 15, so yeah, yeah. 15,000, but being able to speak was one of those ones where like, I'm speaking at the NAB show and it's like, yep, that's right. You know, because it's something that I've known about my whole life because he's been, you know, like when you're a kid, your dad goes to travel and does something you know, kind of important. And, and AB in Vegas is a is a massive show. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's a tough show. And it, it's a it's a show. As a podcaster, do not plan to actually do your podcast later in the week because you will have lost your voice in, in the desert. <laughs> yes, you desperately need water of any type yes. of variety. Yes, it's very true. Um, and it was a fun show when we went the one time with NMX. But I haven't been back. You and I've been. You go every yes, time, right? Yeah. yeah, I've been the Vegas show four or five years in a row now. Do you like it? Yeah, I do. I really do. Yeah. And it's because it's, it's got everything there. Yeah. Uh, you, which, <laughs> which again, like, takes a long time to see. <laughs> do you feel any overwhelm at the size? You know, big things don't scare me. Oh, um, hey, that's personal. Uh, but, <laughs> no, the size of the show, what it really is, is just about you have to plan it ahead of time. Yeah. So this show, you didn't have to plan ahead of time. Not really. Vegas, you have to plan ahead of time. You have to look at the map. You've got to figure out everybody that you really want to see. You got to plan it, and you even map out how you're going to go. If you don't have a lot of time, yeah. Uh, if you're here for the show, you can do it in easily in a day. 
walk the whole show, see everybody you wanted to see. You didn't have to plan it out. So you can just stumble upon things, which is, I like stumble upon because you never know what you're going to see. But when you're mapping it, sometimes you miss things. Someone will say, oh, did you see this? No, I walked right past it. I didn't even notice it. Yeah. Because you're looking down at your phone. Yeah. Looking for the other booth. I've been using Google Maps a lot, too, now that I'm in New York. Like, because before I... I mean, actually, I will say, I went to the speaker's room for whatever reason, and then I was trying to get back here, and I got lost. And it seems to happen every time I'm in the Javits Center, I get lost. Like, it doesn't matter what's here. It's so massive and vast. I'm praying that podcast movement is never in the Javits Center, because I, I get turned around so easily. Have you ever gotten lost here? Or No, of course not. Because why would he? Because he's Rob Walsh. Well, um, I'm a guy. I wouldn't admit it even if I did. So true. Good point. That's a very, very good point. So you said so many things yesterday that I didn't know about the industry, about you during your session. Firstly, that you've been working at Lipson for 10 years. Yep. Were you a podcaster then? I started podcasting 13 years ago. So yes, I had been podcasting about two and a half years when I got hired by Lipson. Are you still doing that same show? Technically, yes, it's still around. It's on high. I, I call it hiatus between episodes. I'll do one, and then I'll wait a while, and I'll do another one. But yes, so yes and no. Yes, yes and no. It's it's a fun show to still do an episode. Like the last one I did was an interview with Aaron Mankey. About oh, it, about you did year, about Laura about about a year ago. What show is, was your first one? This one we're talking about. Podcast four one one. Okay, and then you do the feed with Elsie. You're Elsie's this, co-host on the right. feed. Every other week we do the feed. And then my main show that I do personally is called Today in iOS, which I do every six to ten days. Okay. Twelve days, somewhere around there. So are you one of those do-as-I-say, not-as-I-do type helpers when it comes to podcasting? No, I'm one of those people that says don't worry about an exact schedule. Interesting. I always say it doesn't matter because I look at the biggest shows that are out there and they're not on an exact schedule. But you sell advertising and people are constantly coming up to you and asking you like what you – need in order to start making money i mean for me one of those things is be consistent consistently good content and a consistently large audience size is more important than a consistent release schedule interesting i'm of the belief that it's better to release an episode when it's right than right now Mm. i sort of have always thought of it in my head and maybe this is just my ego, you know, like trying to make things more than they are. But like, I kind of like to think of it as like my own show, like a television show. And so in that way, in my head, like I'm like, well, I have my own sitcom now. I'm like Ellen. I'm like the Ellen of podcasting. So I wanted it to be on a regular schedule. But that's really more for me. I mean, it wasn't at the time because an advertiser had requested it at all. If you release an episode every Tuesday at 11 a.m., the percentage of your audience listening at 11 a.m. on Tuesday is small. Oh, of course. Small. It's ridiculous. Right. So they're going to listen when it fits in their schedule and they have time. And a lot of times people go and listen in bulk. They're going to listen to two or three episodes in a row, and then they move on to another show, and then they come back to you a few weeks later and then catch up. Mm-hmm. And so I just realized rather than trying to force out bad content on a set schedule. As I if that were possible, though. If you, when you're doing a show about the iPhone and you have to research, and if you don't take your time and research it right, you can mess it up pretty good. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know, one bad episode could lose you a good percentage of your audience. Hmm. That's very true. I actually think about that um, with every show. Like, what if this is the first time someone's hearing us? It has to be good. It has to be good every time. Now, for advertisers, I do hope that the people that we work with for campaigns are going to be in a certain period. And I tell them you have to be in that month, you know, this calendar month. But, you know, this slipping a week... As long as it's in the same calendar month, most advertisers will be very forgiving on that. That's true. Of course that's true. I mean, the advertisers want the episode to do well, and they want the show to do well, and they'd rather you do it right than force it on the 18th of the month, because you said it was going to be the 18th, because I think that's my my ad for Warby Parker, Mm. which I am, by the way, which glasses, what glasses am I wearing? (sighs) Warby Parker. Yes. It's my next advertiser. And they're very fly, I have to say. He's pretty fly for a white guy. So, um... Yeah, that ad was supposed to go up on the 18th, and I haven't even started show notes yet. Well, I think that depends on the – at least for me, my experience, that depends on the advertiser. Because some of them only have budget for October, and if it's the end of the month and they have to push, sometimes they get canceled. Or at least I cancel them. It's not going to work. So actually, it's kind of exciting that I'm able to talk with you and not Elsie this time around because Elsie hates talking about money in advertising, and you sell it as well as me, and you're a middleman as well as me. And I've had some interesting situations recently. One actually is that, that there's a show that was sent product and she records two weeks in advance. So the ad was supposed to be done the week after the product was sent, but she wants to push it because... She didn't get it in time. She didn't get it in time. 
but they wouldn't have sent it. Like they knew, they were aware that of the schedule, but they just sent it when they sent it. So they go back to the advertiser and go, "She's got to push it. Got to push it." Yeah. So, um, do you find yourself more? They've committed sending her product. They'll let you push it. Do you find yourself to be more of a podcast advocate or more of an advertiser advocate in your? Yes. Well, <laughs> I, I, I find I, myself to be more of an advertiser advocate I, only I, because I find that the show hosts don't understand the advertisers as well as the advertisers understand the show hosts. I have to walk the line for both ways. So I have a one-strike policy for a podcaster. They oh really screw up and deliberately do something wrong. I, that's it. I'll blacklist them. What do you consider deliberate? Like taking... Um, you have a, a, a razor company as your advertiser on episode on the first week of the month, and the second week of the month you take the another razor company ad. Or that's just a bad idea. Yeah. 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 If we had that. Or, or what about if the or, advertiser or they canceled? They actually one had one person cancel on me, and said, "I I don't want to work with the, uh, that advertiser anymore." So they canceled, and the next month I heard them have an advertiser, it was a competitor advertiser. And they <gasps> So that's why they canceled, and, and I said, "Fine, you're, you're dead. You're dead to me. You're dead to me. You heard it here." So that looks so bad. In that case, I'm actually protecting the other podcasters. I love you're dead to me. I'm going to write that as my signature for some people that so I don't have to work with them anymore. You're dead to me. So I've had a couple scenarios with podcasters where they aren't quite reading the directions as. And I mean, to their credit, some advertisers send four pages of directions, right? They're like, long yeah, want, and involved We want directions. a 60-second ad, and here's your five minutes of copy. Right, here's your five WordPress, right, your five Word, uh, Microsoft Word pages of copy. But one podcaster made up a promo code that didn't exist. One has used the promo code as the URL and vice versa. Sometimes it's happened a few shows in a row, and I've had to have a make good of a make oh, good make of an big. original. Oh, yeah. I, I, I have one producer. I won't say his show, but every month he messes up on one of his campaigns. And so, at what point are, is he dead to you? Well, he's—they're innocent. He does—he re- does make it's goods. Innocent, so that's, that's, but it's that's, stupid, right? Those are fine. <laughs> they, you, don't, you know what? Make goods happen. People mess up. They read the ad. They thought yes. their promo code was supposed to be, let's say, a studio, and and really it was supposed to be podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, so they mess up. That that yes. those aren't. That, that problem, but I actually sent him an email finally. I like, got the fifth month of him messing up every month. I'm like, please, five read is a lot. The copy five is a lot, dude. Because even though it's deliberate, it just starts to be ridiculous. You know, mm-hmm. like it's just like this person is just not. I just can't work with this person anymore. His podcast too is about becoming overwhelmed with things. <laughs> that is so ironic. I love that. It's hilarious. Okay, so more about advertising, because here's a pickle that I ran into this week where the podcaster took an ad. It's a one, which I don't know why Performance Bridge has to do these, like, one-episode tests, Mm -hmm. but whatever it is what it is, they're testing the show on, like, the first of the month. Well, the week before, they decide to discuss these types of services, and in the show notes, she linked to every single service. The person who we already have the contract with and their competitor, and et cetera, and so forth. And the advertiser saw it and said, is she doing endorsements for the competition? Well, see, that's just, and I said, that's just no. dumb on the producer's part. There's people that want advertisers, and he there's people really that want a, advertising. She yeah, well, well, she she, well, she's the producer. She's the producer. All right. So, right. And so, in their eyes, that episode wasn't sponsored. Therefore, she's free to say and do whatever she wants because her authenticity and integrity and authority is based on her opinion, which shouldn't be skewed by who she's in or not in a contract with. Does she want advertising or advertising revenue? I mean, that's the question, right? Because you can't have average. I mean, yeah, it, it just it makes is, no. It just made no sense. Then to she me. should. You know what? She shouldn't have accepted that advertiser from day one. If she knew that she's going to be talking about that and it's an advertiser, it's something that's so too close to the subject matter she talks about, that's an issue. Can't you take an advertiser and mention the competition without linking to them? You know what I'm saying? Like, couldn't that have been an episode where she could still be honest and authentic, but if, yet if I was Okay, I do, today, I do Today in iOS. Yeah. If I knew it, I was going to be talking about comparing all the places that you could trade your, your phones into... I yeah. wouldn't take an advertisement from one of them. 
I see what you're saying. So know your content in advance enough if you know to what not you're mention be, it. Right. I mean, you mm. don't take an av- if you're going to take an advertiser and you know you're going to be talking about content, you're going to make yourself look like you're biased anyway. So That's even true. if the advertiser didn't, even if the advertiser didn't say something, her audience is going to be. Wait a second. Last week you talked about four different services, and maybe she over recommended the one that she got the advertising from. Now. What's her credibility there? Mm-hmm. I would stay away from, you know, I, I, I don't mind. I love doing Har- Warby Parker, right? Um, right, because I, you wear their I wear their glasses, right. right. But they're not a conflict. I'm not going to be talking about on Today and iOS all the apps for going out and buying glasses. Right? It's, not, it's not something I'm going to talk about. Right. It just wouldn't fit. So I don't see a conflict of interest there. But what if, but they're, wh- Right. I mean, I take HelloFresh because I'm not going to talk. Right, I HelloFresh is an effort. I I don't talk about their competitors, so they're fine to me. I don't consider them any way, shape, or form a conflict of interest. Um, Do you feel like your advertisers are skewing your content, though? And then the second follow-up question is: Should we care if that's happening if we're getting advertising revenue, which is what we want? Well, yeah, you have to. Again, you have to. FTC rules: You have to state that they're advertising and whatnot. But oh, that's a good point. But I, I just think as a podcaster you kind of t- sometimes you have to stay away from some advertisers if you think there's too big of a conflict if you're going to especially if you know you've talked about their competitors and you're going to talk about their competitors and you're going to talk about them and it's really close to the heart of the show it's tough yeah i i would stay away from it i, I would it find tough. problems with that and, and of course you have to understand the fact that the advertisers are going to get upset when you start talking about their competitors and that's just common sense yeah. I mean, I guess that's true. I'm sort of thinking of like, so one of my clients is Podcast Junkies and he does an ad for Podbean. And they have a, I don't know that he necessarily uses them for hosting. No, he doesn't. No, he uses you guys, yeah. right? Yeah. But he's advertising the money-making aspect of it. And he talks about, they have a lot of different services besides hosting that you can take advantage of. Um, and so he kind of talks about Podbean and, you know, and it's a paid endorsement. Are you mad now that they... No, I mean, I'll just <laughs> tell you. I mean, well, no. I did Podcast 411. I never took advertisements on it. Yeah, that's how Daniel Lewis is. He won't take it on right. a desk. I, I just felt it was too many conflicts. Yeah. But today in iOS, the first advertiser I had was Audible. I wouldn't even take Audible on Podcast 411. But I had Audible on today in iOS before it even launched. It was today in iPhone. And I, and I did a deal with them. I said, you know, I don't take advertising on Podcast 411, but I will on today in iPhone. Mm-hmm. And they sponsored me for the first three months, sight unseen, because of my other show. Right. And paid for my first iPhone in the, the yearly plan. So but, that was a deliberate act so that you couldn't be biased, so that you wouldn't right. have to be yeah, biased. Because Podcast 411, I felt anything I say on the show... I didn't want people to, to feel it was biased one way or the other, which people, when I took the job at Lipson, like, oh, yeah. now, now it's biased. I mean, I hope I didn't put Harry on your, um, no, your dead no, to me know, list because he actually hosts, does hosting himself, too. I mean, he, he has a service where he helps with that stuff and helps do production. Yeah, but look where, yeah, but look where he puts his podcast. What is that? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know, right. and there's another podcast that, you know, has a quote-unquote service that he's part of, associated with, but his podcast is with us as well. Yes, I know exactly which one you're talking about. That's true. Yeah, it's very interesting. I'm just kind of thinking, like, I kind of want to ask you about this, but I feel nervous about it. Okay. Okay. Because I've run into some situations because my co-host works for Libsyn. Mm -hmm. So just without question, we're not going to do ads for any other hosting companies. Not because you sponsor our, not you personally, not because Libsyn sponsors our show, but because it's just a terrible idea. They, They pay her paycheck. Right. Would be smart on her part. No, it's a terrible <laughs> business idea, right. which is kind of the same like group I was putting this other person in. It's just like, it's not even about being having biased or unbiased content. It's really more about like, it's just not a good idea. It's just kind of a dumb idea. It's not goodwill you know, for the, the relationship, right? And the issue of podcasting has is the producer oftentimes is also the sales force and the editor and the content creator. Right. In big media companies... You have different people, and you have walls and silos to right. keep the guy, you know, the host and the talent. And then you've got an editor, and then you've got the sales team, and they're all separated. Mm-hmm. Uh, podcasting, you're doing everything, and that becomes tough. Yeah, it's hard to separate everything for sure. I've run into interesting scenarios where I'll be speaking somewhere, and other hosts don't want to sponsor it because. I do. She podcasts with Elsie, and she works with Libsyn. 
And I was like, I'm not sure how that's relevant. Yeah. They don't pay me anything. So, anyway, I just thought you would find that interesting. Well, you have other ones that you could get for advertisers on G-Podcast. Yes, our advertisers do really well. They, we've had podcast consultants, and we've had you know editing services and social media services and stuff like that, and they all do really well. So it's good. Yeah, most of the hosting companies don't even have any money anyway, so you're not, you don't have to worry about advertising. And yeah. Libsyn doesn't advertise on podcasts because... So why, so why, yeah, why, why would you? Well, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a, a bigger issue than that. Is If we picked one podcast to advertise on, then every, you know, the podcasters would be like, well, why don't you advertise right. on mine? Right. So now you've got, you know, 35,000, 31 show happy and 34,999 plus upset. But the other part of it is I would never think to ask a host or co-host's employer to sponsor a show that they have no, you know, it's not as if it was their idea. It's not as if we... We didn't consult Libsyn. We didn't think about, you know, it's completely separate from her job there. So, anyway, let's talk about some of the comparisons between, like, how you sell and how I sell. Because I think, you know, I can only speak from my own experience. And I know that you and I have a lot of the same questions that come up every time. One of which is, how long do I have to be podcasting before I can start monetizing with sponsors? And do you have a set answer for that? Regardless of download number. No, my answer is how long does it take you to get to 5K? So, you're, so your number is 5K. 5K. Yeah. That's the, most of the advertisers we work with is 5,000 uh, U.S. downloads. We work with some that are smaller and we'll get a flat rate for them if there is the right psychographic match. Um, What's but, your flat rate for like 2K? I don't talk about that. Oh, you can't? Things. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It, and by the fact, flat rate, the flat rate is the same for everything under 5K. So if a show's got 500 or if they've got 4,500, I offer the same flat rate. I say, that's our minimum ad buy per episode. I have another question. Is your flat rate for some show, like, so I've tried to do that as well. And let's just say I'm, I'm pricing at 30 CPM. My flat rate for a 2K show may be not that much less than a show that has more. No, our flat rate is right below where it is at 5K. Okay. So, so that they don't go, that look works at, out. yeah, they don't look at it and go, well, this show at 3,500, I'm paying more than the show at 5K. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. So I just make it just a little below and, and say, you know, here's what I'll offer you as a podcaster. You can get this uh, if you want it. Yes or no. And you, sometimes you get a free Eero or something like that. You know, we had a show that was under the, the cap, but they got some really nice Wi Fi equipment. They actually got more money from the equipment that they got Ooh. than they did from the, the payment that they got. That's awesome. So, do you ever sell a show under a thousand? I have. You have? Yeah. But only when they're specifically requested? Yeah. It was, yeah it, well, it was really the tough. Niche, it was right? a tough, tough niche. And that then we also racked the CPM rates up. Sometimes I've done where I'll take the CPM rates and throw it up to a thousand or 500. Good because for you, they're brother. they're looking for medical. Someone came to me recently. They were looking for private mm-hmm. medical practitioners, and I and I went back and I said five hundred dollars CPM. They what? I'm like five hundred CPM. You want a podcast that's geared towards medical? It's right. five hundred minimum. I go. I I'm, I'm not going to even give you a list of shows you, until you agree on that. And I had another one where we're at a thousand. They wanted aviation pilots. Has there a niche where you were just like I am? Sur- I can't surgeons. Find. Oh, and then we found some. Surgeons. Surgeons, yeah. And we, that was $1,000 For me, it was accountants. Not an accounting podcast, but a podcast that spoke to accountants. And then the other one, tough one, was families of military veterans that are, that are deployed. Oh. Oh, that are deployed. The I was going to say, the family, military part family I have. Family of military that, where the person is deployed. The shows had to be geared towards that. The deployed that wife. That niche. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Wow, that's pretty specific. Yeah, I was like, I did a quick search. And Actually, I have a request for shows that are geared towards brick and mortar company owners. That was kind of a tough one too, because are they ever listening to any? They're busy running their business. Uh, every. Uh, Do you think you could fill that? Uh, that would be a tough one. It is tough. Yeah, I, I couldn't fill it on my own. So no. maybe I'll send it to you and see what you think. Yeah, for me, the toughest one was geared towards accountants. That was very difficult. Yeah, but once someone starts talking psychographic. I throw out the demographic CPMs. I start raising the rates mm. and look at who they're looking for. Just raise the rates because they're going to get a good ROI on it. Yeah. If you match up the show, it'll work out for them. Mm-hmm. And if they don't realize and they're not willing to accept it and the agency I talk with, I've talked to agencies, they want to pay $25 CPM for, for medical. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's ridiculous. What do you say to podcasters 
that come to you that have 70 downloads an episode and say, I'm ready for sponsors and advertisers. Like, I get that all the, I get it all the time. I get it all the time. And the thing I say is grow your audience to X amount of, you know, I either say 2,000 an episode or I say, you know, you have to be podcasting for about six months, six months to a year. And by then they should have, I mean, if they're consistently growing, the number they need. I tell them to listen to the feed. Yeah. <laughs> I, go, I go listen to our <laughs> podcast. I go, you, you need to work on growing your audience. I go, you're not ready for monetizing. And, I, and then and I'll say, and if they are a niche, then I give them the advice, go out and find a magazine and find an advertiser in the back of the magazine and, and contact them that way. If they're, they're small niche that I know I'm never going to, I know the show is never going to grow to where it's going to work with us. Right. I tell them to go off. And then I say, hey, and if you find advertisers, bring them back to me. I give you a finder's fee if we use them in any other shows. Like this show, for example, she podcasts, like we've never broken, I think maybe one or two episodes have had 5,000. Most mm-hmm. of them are half that. Podcasts about podcasts never break 5,000. Right. And I don't expect it to, but I also don't despite expect to monetize couple, Despite CBM. what a couple of podcasters about podcasts have said their numbers are. No. Yeah, I guess that's true. I know you're being subtle, so I had to think, that was a thinker for me. Mm-hmm. I had to think about who that was. So I created a quiz called SponsorReady.com, and it's basically like an algorithm that takes you through, like, do you have an editor? Do you have someone to help you with marketing? What are your current downloads? You know, how big is your audience outside of your podcast? And each answer kind of goes towards, yes, you're way overdue. You need to start monetizing immediately. And what are you, Oprah? Unless you're Oprah, you're not ready, dude. You have to build up an audience or something like that. You send them to the feed, which means you're talking about marketing and advertising there. What is your top tip for growth? It's about word of mouth marketing is is what's really going to grow. So the first, the only thing that advice I really can give people other than create great content is make sure your show's everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I'll look for some shows where I think they're super eager, if their numbers are are marginal, where they look like maybe they might be able to get to that range. Uh, Not the ones that are like, under 100, but uh, right. I'll, I'll look at them and I'll say, oh, look, you, you, all the, thing, the only destination you have set up is your feed. You're not in Google Play. You're not in iHeartRadio. That's you're just not lazy. In, right. You're not anywhere. I'll, you know, so I'm like, okay. Come on now. Well, I get that, though. And I'm I like, here, get out everywhere. Go out, get your show everywhere. At least then people can discover it and you have the discoverability option. Do you ever get to a point where you look at, I mean, same with me. Like, they say they're ready. I look at their Twitter. I look at their Facebook. I look at their Instagram. I look at their website, how well it's done. And then I almost am like, oh, my God, I can't believe I even have to write back to this person. Like, how is this not obvious to everyone, you know, including the person who's asking? It's so, it's like three followers on Twitter. I've I've had people say they're ready for advertising, and their best episode ever was 12. You know, the trick is, I've just started realizing this little saying, your content, I want to know what you think about it, because I think it's pretty smart. Your content is not your product. It's your audience that's the product. Well, yeah, obviously. A lot of podcasters don't want to hear that, though, because they work so tirelessly at perfecting their content. Build it, and they will come. That's that's how it works with advertising. You have to build your audience. Your audience is the field. That's the product, right? That's the product. But you know they don't want to hear it. But it's the reality. Yeah. So out of the 400,000 shows that are on iTunes, what percentage of them do you think are listenable? What do you mean listenable? Not shit. <laughs> That's what I mean. That aren't either going to bore you or... Well, it's okay, wait. What's one person's trash is another That's person's treasure. That's not true. There are, some there, 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 there's some, there. there are some really bad shows. But it's hard to say what the number. You can't base it off of, two. you know, okay, the show's got 200 downloads. Is that a good or a bad show? Well, if it's a show that's, that's about chameleon breeding you know, or something like that, that could be a good show. But if it's a True. comedy show that's been around for three years, the person isn't funny. Ooh, let's ask this. What percent of comedy shows do you think are funny? Uh, <laughs> the percent well, I think the, it's like 5%. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there are some shows out there that are comedy shows that uh, definitely are not funny. No. And, yeah, and they tell you by the numbers. Ralphie May, Oliver Shalom, who just passed away, I listened to 10 minutes of his show, and I was like, he was so funny doing stand-up. What a terrible podcast. Wow. There, there was a famous comedian. I won't say his name. He hosted with us, and I'm like, oh, I can't believe he's with us. I saw that, and I went and looked at his numbers. I go, oh, he must be hosting somewhere else. It's like, really? he must just have an account with us because there's no way his numbers could be that low because everybody knows who this person is. And I looked, and nope, he was there's hosting with us. There's actually a lot like that. 
Yeah. And I mean, I, I work with Cast Plus, so because I sometimes work on behalf of an ad- advertiser in Cast Plus, I have at least what's in there as some of those larger show downloads. And you're right, some of the more famous comedians, they don't have shows the way you would think. Like, they're big numbers. It's kind of shocking. And I wonder why, because they've been around for so long. I think, well, at least in Ralphie's situation, I don't think the content translated well, some, into some the media. Pe- some people do a podcast because someone told them they need to do a podcast. Yeah. yeah or some do it, yeah, in. you're funny, you should be on a podcast. Mm-hmm. That's not really enough. It's definitely not enough. So what is the weirdest show you've ever come across? Oh, the Chameleon Breeder podcast. Oh, that's a thing. It really is a podcast. Oh. And he actually gets 800 downloads an episode. So, he, yeah. That's actually not bad. Yeah. And he actually I'm monetizes a, and does impressed. really well. Chameleon Breeder? And the, But the original funny one was Swinecast. Oh, is that for pig breeders? It was, yeah, professional pig breeders. Swinecast. Yeah, one of the episodes you could find out how to artificially inseminate a pig. My most interesting one was Carner Talk. It was geared towards those in the... You know, coroners, funeral directors, law enforcement, that kind of thing. We have. Oh. <laughs> it's a good one. I mean, for somebody who actually. Cor- like, coroner talk. Coroner talk. Okay. What, well, it's probably an accent. Yeah. Car- okay. I was, coroner. Yeah. I thought I'm, it was from like, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking the corner of the store. Oh, no, car- cor- coroner. 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 Quincy MD. Yes. Coroner. If you're from Long Island. Okay. Coroner. I'm a person who, like, when I onboard a show, I ask them to give me a list of, like, possible advertisers because how would I know every mm-hmm. company in their field? And I know a lot of cleaning companies that can get blood out of carpet now as a result of that show. Like, I found some of the weirdest – I learned a lot from pitching that show. Some of the people that do some true crime podcasts, um, which you want to talk about bad podcasts. There's a bunch of some bad – Some of them are bad there's, ones? There's, oh, there's some really bad true really? crime podcasts that come out. Well, people jumping on the bandwagon. I don't think any of them ever. Mm. Some of these people have never watched Quincy MD, don't know who Monk is, and, and Murderer, she wrote. They, they don't even understand that Jessica Lansbury is the world's worst serial killer ever. Right? <laughs> uh, so they, uh. they don't get it. And so, but, hey, true crime podcasts are, are hip, so we've got to do one. They and, are hot. Yeah, yeah got to do what you actually are into. You know what's the most interesting about the true crime podcast for me is the audience is middle-aged females. Yeah, that's the best part about it. That is so yeah, fascinating. Advertisers you, love that. I mean, like, if you think about it, who else would it be? Yes, I mean, they do love that demographic, but you wouldn't think, unless you know already, like, oh, well, the true crime shows, those are your housewives that are at home at mid-40s, and it's so interesting to me. Serial um, killers still have a special appeal to some women. They always get, you always hear about these serial killers in jail getting married to these that's women. That's true. What is it? Charles Manson does have a, you know, a mysterious je ne sais quoi about him. It could be the swastika on his forehead. That is a big turnoff, especially for a Jewish girl like me. Gotta love it. Just kidding. So you're visiting with your fam? Yes. How's that going? Good. When do you go home? Uh, Saturday. Do your kids ever travel with you when you go? No. No? No. They're back at school with oh, their mom. right. School. No. Yeah, that's a cool thing. School. You know, actually, it's weird. I have, th- I have children, but not, none of them are in school because I have three and then I have 19. So I'm currently between school. Which one was oops? Oh, well, <laughs> he's supposed to be in school. My older one is supposed to be in school, but they were still securing financial aid when his semester started. So he pushed a semester. So it's, it's very odd because really, think about it. I mean, it's the first time in 15 years I haven't had one in school. Oh. It's kind of the dream. I don't like all that paperwork and stuff that you have to do. Yesterday, my little um, adventure, because I can't tell Elsie, so you have to hear all my little personal adventures. So I have a cousin who lives here. He's a bachelor. Are we? We're not close on time, are we? Ten minutes. Perfect. All right. So check this out. That was an edit point. Yes. By the way, that's one of the things, if, uh, my pet peeve, podcasters that don't edit when they should. Oh, you don't like that? Oh, there's so many. Oh, the worst one I ever heard. person said they, they want to interview on Podcast One. They sent me a clip to their show. And this is the clip they send me to listen to. And about five minutes in, I hear knock at the door. They go, hold on a second. I'll be right back. And they left the thing running. And it's like, wah, 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 wah. You hear him in the background talking for five more minutes. And then they come back. Okay, I'm back. And he never edited out? And I'm like, yeah. And the only reason That's I sat sad. through it was just to see how long this person would be holding me, waiting there for him to come back. And I get to see Rob, like, blood boiling, like, listening, getting angrier by the minute, and like, more frustrated with the stupidity of it editing, all. Editing is your friend. <laughs> 
That's so funny. You know, and I so I talked to someone here earlier at the booth, and I and I said she I said to her I go yeah I go, well she's going to do recording and this and that and I said and and, and you edit she goes well I don't want to edit I, I go she goes just do. do People not edit. I go, oh, yeah, there's a lot of podcasts that get under 100 downloads an episode that don't edit. <laughs> My first show, I didn't edit. Yes. It wasn't under 100, but uh, it wasn't a great show. I mean, like, technically, it wasn't a great show. It actually still gets downloads, oddly, over 100 an episode, even though I haven't done it in two years. No, I needed an editor. There was one time where I had to answer the door, and I came right back, and humorously my guest just filled the space like for me she sang a little and like she kind of i mean it, it ended up to be okay which is why i left it in but no yeah normally i would probably have cut that out so i have met my dad here tuesday we have a 91 year old cousin who's lived up here his whole life never been married kind of a little bit of a gigolo and um he recently passed away he was in hospice care in his house and he recently passed away and one of the things he said to my dad recently like last time my dad visited him he said uh i don't want to die because i haven't had enough sex yet and then this, I found out this is how he died. I'm just so, I'm sorry to tell you this, but it's inappropriate. Hopefully he was having sex. No, he was, he really was kind of like, thought the hospice worker was cute and kind of was into her. Anyway, like she reached over to fluff his pillows and he reached up and tweaked her and then died like that instant. Can you believe that? I was like, Kudos. that is an amazing way to go. Good for him. Anyway, so in the will, he asked that they dump his ashes in the East River. So yesterday, my Are father. You're going to have Harvey Weinstein drop those ashes in there? <laughs> No, it was his nephew. It was like the three old Alta Cocker. Do you know what that means, Alta Cocker? Are you Jewish? No. Alta Cocker just means like, you know, an old fart or whatever. Three old farts like getting ready to do this deed that's highly against the law, Mm -hmm. not supposed to do it. And also a windy day yesterday, if you recall. So like we met for lunch and then uh, he was carrying (laughs) his uncle in a backpack. You know, and they take it. They take it to the thing, and I was like, "All right, you guys, I'm going to leave you and go to the show now." But um, call me if you need any bail money or anything, because um, they all look very innocent. But it's just kind of funny that he would take them on this little adventure. So my dad texted me about an hour later, and he's like, "I don't know what to do. There's too many people around. We can't do it." And I was like, "I can't help yeah. you. I've never dumped anything in the East River. It seems terrible." I, I don't. So. There's been lots of stuff dumped at the East River. That's very yeah, true. I was yeah. kind of hoping for a phone call, actually, because wouldn't it usually, be great? Usually it's the body your... before it was that's, cremated. Oh, that's true. Ashes are different. Yeah. But um, wouldn't it be great to be able to say you bailed your dad out of jail instead of him, you, which he's never done. But I mean, like, what a good story to be able to say you, I have to go bail my dad and his two Altacocker friends out of jail. So anyway, so that was my day yesterday. And then I, I rushed from there yeah, to, to see you, to see your show. And we actually, I talked about it a little bit at ours earlier today because I forget why we were talking about monetizing. And um, now I can't remember because I'm on the spot. But anyway, it was, I learned a lot. So you're always a wealth of knowledge. Thank you. Yeah. So if you guys want to check out his show, it's today in iOS. Also, he's the co-host of The Feed, Libsyn's The Feed podcast. With your co-host, Elsie. With my co-host, Elsie. We share Elsie. We share Elsie, and we are both the non-Elsie, right? Right. Wouldn't you say? You, she's loud. I guess you listen. Oh, okay. it's funny. It's true. Well, Elsie Although Elsie very... on the last episode of the feed tried to say she was snarky. <laughs> Such a laugh That's on that. That's hilarious. Actually, I think she has an inner snark, but it doesn't come out when she's podcasting ever. It's like 0.02% snark. It is 0.02%. That's very true. That's for she, and she is also, yes, like very positive and very optimistic. And I'm always just like, you're out of your friggin' mind. I, I described Elsie when I introduced her for her Hall of Fame. I said, she is like the best features of all three Powerpuff Girls combined yes, into one person. I taped That's that. Elsie. And I was like, I could not have said that better myself. Also, a human Muppet is mm-hmm. my, what I use. She's like a human Muppet. Yeah, You know how Kermit used to be like, yeah, that's kind of Elsie. So anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. And I'll just do like my quick outro. You can find us at ShePodcast.com. We are also on Facebook.com forward slash ShePodcast. And if you do a search, you can find the group there as well. It's free to join. 8,000 women now, podcasters, all in different phases. We're also on Twitter at ShePodcast. And you can find our show notes at ShePodcast.com. So thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you next week with our regularly scheduled Elsie separate shows. I thank you for answering a question ahead on today in iOS. What? There was a recall of glitter cases. <laughs> and, and I was like, who would buy a glitter case for their iPhone that has water? Because, of course, it's going to break and cause bad damage. It's not damage. broke, ever. Yeah, but, but they had a recall on those cases. They it's, did? Yes. So I even you talked know, about I've, it on the show. I have a and I was like, who would buy times. this? So thank you. 
I would buy it. I'm attracted to all things glitter. I have no idea why. So, yes, water in your case. <laughs> Brilliant. Oddly, look, it's still intact. I've never, I know. I guess, they, I guess when it broke, the chemical in there burned people. You know, now that you say it like that, it doesn't sound like that good of an idea. But it's so pretty and cute and fun to play with. And, like, I mean, it has stuff to do with my daughter, too. Like, she always had, like, everywhere she went, she left a little trail of glitter for some reason. Is that reason. at least the seven? Yes. So, okay, because that one's waterproof. Well, he's judging well, it's, me. Well, it's the waterproof. He's already judging me. Well, I was hoping you didn't put it on the six. No, okay. it's a seven. I have had this case for a while, and I don't know, it just kind of makes me think of M. But also... I don't know. I am I am oddly attracted to all things. Like if I have a choice between shirt with glitter, shirt without glitter, I just like I'm like ah, it's like a moth kind of. It's weird. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. It was great talking to you guys in person too. Thank you guys for sticking around and hearing it. And um, yeah, we'll see you guys next week on our regularly scheduled programs. Ciao. Bye. Thank you for being here too. I appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoyed that. That conversation about advertising from the agency side of things was brilliant, was it not? I mean, come on. Yeah. And Jess was totally right. It's not my favorite. So I probably would never have that conversation (laughs) with her. I mean, you know, not at that kind of quality. So I'm so excited that she got an opportunity to totally talk to somebody that knew what she was talking about (laughs) at a much deeper, deeper deeper way. So here are my favorite things that I loved. Here's one. So Jess saying, your content is not the product. Your audience is the product. And I am sure some of you guys are like, oh my God, but it's true. That's essentially it, people. As well as Rob's consistently good content with consistent audience size is more important than a consistent release schedule. And that is something I wholeheartedly agree with. And it's something that I have told people that I've worked with as well. There is some power to being able to be consistently delivering good content. And if you need to take a break, you take a break. As long as you continue to deliver the content and continue to nurture your audience growth. So, hey. So do let us know what you thought of the conversation. If you have any specific favorites or aha moments, send it to us. You can send in an email and possibly even attach voice feedback to it to feedback at shepodcasts.com, feedback at shepodcast.com. You can also tweet at ShePodcasts and let us know or comment over at the She Podcast Facebook page, which is again Facebook.com slash ShePodcasts or the Facebook group, which is really for women only. So you guys can go over there over Facebook.com slash groups slash she podcast. Join that group and comment in there and let us know. I'd also love to give a big thank you to our producer John Buchanan from Audio Editing Solutions.com, our weekly lifesaver. We are so grateful to have him on the team. He is amazing, supportive, and an unbelievable person to have in your corner. So you guys, seriously, John Buchanan's AudioEditingSolutions.com. Amazing. If you're interested in applying to the E-League, please go to lcescobar.com slash E-League. One word, lcescobar.com slash E-League. That is E-L-E-A-G-U-E. If you want a free way to grow your audience, go to podcastaudiencegrowth.com. Podcastaudiencegrowth.com. Thanks so much, guys. Until next time, and back with Jessica. Love you.